Hello and welcome back to another episode of Under the Bridge. You're just joining us as Greg finished explaining to me what Instagram is, because I am apparently what? a dinosaur. <laughs> I didn't even really explain it, I was just like, how do you not know? How do you well, not I, know, To be man? fair, I've heard of Instagram, I just, I, I've never used it. I think I have one, but I'm not sure, so I wasn't sure mm. of its intended purpose anymore. There's too damn many I, social media sites, alright? This one is the mostly picture and occasionally video of social media. It, it is another freaking, like, short attention span form of social media. I thought that was TikTok! It is TikTok, but it's also Instagram through Facebook. <sighs> YouTube short. Yeah, it's bad, dude. <laughs> Anyways, welcome to Under the Bridge. <laughs> welcome to Under the Bridge. I'm Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Dro- that- I can't even say my name anymore. The Scarlet Troll. <laughs> And I am Greg, a.k.a. Greg. You know, the name of my YouTube channel. It'd be real good if I could say it. <laughs> Do I start with game news, comic news, or celebrity deaths? <laughs> Whichever you feel like warrants immediate attention. Whichever you know, puts the audience in their seats first. <laughs> it's a day ending, and why? Time for me to complain about Pokemon. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like wait, was that- oh, wait. Ooh, long-form Pokemon Y joke. Well done. No, that was just uh, I always complain about Pokemon. <laughs> oh, fair. <laughs> it's like my it's like my relationship with Kingdom Hearts. It's it's very much all take and no give. Horribly abusive, but I persist with it anyway. Mm. <laughs> and all I could do was just sit back and make snarky comments while still giving it money. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I really need to go to Redfield Support Group. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I need I need to get out of a toxic relationship. Nope, Sora just it, walks into the room. <laughs> no, you have to say it like Nicholas Holt. I need to get out of a toxic relationship. <laughs> I think that's I think that's a proper enunciation. No, he I can't do it like Nicholas Holt though. No, of course not. Shouldn't even try. <laughs> yeah. Point is, we found yet another. New and exciting game-crashing bug in Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Oh, do tell. This one seems to have been caused by the DLC, or the update that came with the DLC, rather. Even better. Yeah, so, in the final battle, not of the DLC, but the main game, you have to use your Coridon or Maridon to fight another one. I guess spoilers for mm. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. If the, the game's a year old, I don't care at this point. Okay. I don't care, and neither should you. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> here I am still talking about it anyway. <laughs> well, it's funny, I guess. The, the, the thing that happens is, specifically, when you use your Coridon or Maridon, this is your first time using it in a battle, so you shouldn't already have it in your Pokedex. However, mm -hmm. because you can transfer Pokemon from other games or save files... You could 100% already have Coridon or Maridon in your Pokedex. Okay. So this is possible. Like, you don't have to go too far out of your way to make this happen. And what happens is, if you already have Coridon or Maridon registered to your Pokedex, and at the point when you're prompted to send out your Legendary, if you hover over slot 4, 5, or 6 in your party, it will crash the game. <laughs> So apparently, That's... literally scrolling to do the thing that the game wants you to do <laughs> will crash the game. 
why did the game crash? Because I played it. <laughs> there is a way around it. Apparently what you have to do is go up instead of down. Because if you start at the first slot and then go up, it'll cycle to the bottom. So if you move from um, left to right, basically, yeah. it crashes the game. But right to left is, is fine. If you go the way God intended, you'll break it. If you go backwards, <laughs> you're fine. That is That is ridiculous. That's Ten so million silly. copies in three days! <laughs> Glad all that and money we... went into top-tier programming. Yeah, it's like in, in robust QA. Ugh. Yeah, for real. Disgusting. <laughs> Anyways, I have 150 unique shinies now. <laughs> Good for you, I think. No, no, this is a terrible habit I've started. Mm. <laughs> this is an awful, wretched thing I've done to myself. Oh fuck! I can't believe you've done this. Uh, are we, are we of in? Uh, it's it's a little after five Just minutes. Just barely. So I, assuming we don't, I don't cut too much garbage out at the start. Yeah, it's like Mimic Q comes up and it's like, oh fuck! I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> so that's Pokemon. Okay. I think now's the time I should probably let's just bring the whole mood down. Oh boy! No more fun and games. It's serious time. Mm-hmm. There's a couple celebrity deaths that happened this week, and I was I was really wondering whether I should bring up both of them or even one of them, because one of them was Michael Gambon, who most people know as the second live-action Dumbledore after the passing of Richard Harris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, he passed away uh, September 27th after a bout of pneumonia. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Ugh. That's unfortunate indeed. And that is the like I said the main thing I know him from, but he has done other things. Apparently, he's the voice of Uncle Sp- Uncle Pastuzo in the Paddington movies. Being a longtime Top Gear fan, I know him from him appearing on Top Gear and nearly destroying the car that they used to do time trials with. <laughs> to the point where they like actually named one of the corners at the Top Gear test track after him. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> he was also the new Arthur in Kingsman: The Golden Circle. Oh, was he? Yeah, who got blown the fuck up. Uh, oh, that's right, that was him. Because Eggsy's an idiot. Because Eggsy's an idiot. Because <laughs> Eggsy sucks at his fucking job. <laughs> and then he got Merlin killed because he sucks at his job. And then he fucks off to go be Prince of Sweden or whatever. Because he sucks at his job. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> and then Channing Tatum, who also sucks at his job, but maybe a little bit less. <laughs> no, he was also King George V in uh, The King's Speech, which I watched, and mm. I don't remember that well, because I watched it like ten years ago, so I need to watch it yeah, again. Yeah, no saying. That was, that was a movie that I also watched ten years ago when, we were in high, when I was in high school, and it was a movie that I remember liking quite a lot, but not remembering a lot of. Same. Colin Firth was uh, one of the main characters in that one. Oh, was he? Yeah, he was. He was King George the Sixth. He was the one who needed, oh. who needed uh, speech therapy or whatever. Oh, oh, that's right. That was him too. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. So all in all, that's a shame. He's not my favorite Dumbledore, especially not with Goblet of Fires. Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? <laughs> but <laughs> it's still a damn shame. Right. Also sad to report, we've lost uh, David McCallum, who originally I wasn't going to include because I didn't feel like I was familiar enough with him for it to actually mean something. 
Uh, one of his best known roles is Dr. Donald Ducky Mallard in NCIS, which I've seen a few episodes of. Oh, right. Yeah, actually, that's the main thing that I know him from, too. <laughs> well, now, hold on. He was mm-hmm. also secret agent Ilya Kurykin in The Man from Uncle, the original 60s series. Okay. And in fact, his popularity with the audience, he was only supposed to be, like, a very minor side character. But he got promoted to co-star because of his popularity and because of his chemistry with the main star, Robert Vaughn. Oh, excellent. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, I mean, the man was... I remember watching him a lot when I used to, like... There was a time when I used to watch a whole lot of NCIS. Because there was a time where I think I would spend my days after school watching the USA Network. Yep. So it was a lot of NCIS, Burn Notice, uh, Law & Order SVU. I forget, was Monk on USA? I believe it was, yeah. Yeah, that was my introduction to Monk. Such a good show. Yeah. Like, such a great show. With such weird cameos, too. <laughs> but yeah, no, having him show up on NCIS was usually, like, one of the best parts of the show. Oh, yeah, he was great. He was also, yeah. <laughs> this one's a little more near and dear to my heart, Professor Paradox in the Ben 10 series. Oh, really? Yeah, the Doctor Who send-up, functionally. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, that was him. <laughs> Started from uh, Alien Force onward. Of course, that's when Paradox first showed up, so, yeah. And then, All right. this one I just found out about, and, and this broke my brain, and I'm sure it will yours as well. Okay. He also had a music career. <laughs> In what genre? But wait, there's more. Okay. One of his pieces, The Edge, was sampled by Dr. Dre as the intro and riff to the track The Next Episode. No. Yes. <laughs> no way. <laughs> 100%. That is ridiculous. Oh my god. If people say that people who make, like, if you think that people who, like, make hip-hop, whether it be the rappers or producers, are talentless, let that be. I don't even know what di- what this song sounds like, really, like, in a full aspect, but it's like, the fact that that was sampled to the intro of one of the most, like, influential gangster rap songs holy hell (laughs) these people know what they're doing (laughs) but yeah that once i found out all that i was like jesus christ and then i realized i had to talk about at least some of this yeah for sure especially so i could drop that dr dre bomb on you (laughs) (laughs) i thought you'd appreciate that that's pretty good (laughs) but yeah that's uh also unfortunate he passed of natural causes september 25th just six days Mm. after his 90th oh geez yeah Alright. Long life. Alright, that's enough depressing stuff. Oh boy. Time to get mad at comics again. (laughs) Is this another episode of dumbass ways that the writers use Peter Parker? No, not technically, no. Peter Parker's not really involved, but it is an Ultimate Universe situation. So, okay, I was to say, these qualifiers do not help. It's like, no, technically, Peter Parker's not really involved. It's like, doesn't help, does not help. <laughs> well, I mean, like, it's going to involve Peter Parker because Ultimate Spider-Man is happening again, but... Hmm. So, we got we got the cover, and we got some letterless preview pages for Hickman's Ultimate Universe number one, which releases in November. Okay. And it looks like we're going to get a new team of, I'd assume, the Ultimates. Maybe they'll be called the Avengers. I don't know. Probably the Ultimates. <laughs> okay. Because the Ultimates were functionally just the Ultimate Universe's Avengers. Mm-hmm. And they sucked. 
how much did they suck? Well, let's see. Uh, Captain America was a more typical American man from the 40s. Oof. So, you know, a little more jingoistic, Wait, this... a little more racist. Was this, like, the racist as hell Captain America? He wasn't racist as hell, but he was, you know... He was, racist. <laughs> he, he was the guy... He, that was the cap with... Do you think this A on my head stands for France? What do you mean, surrender? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's that's who I'm thinking of. Uh, Iron Man was a perpetual drunk. And implying Iron Man isn't a perpetual no, drunk? No, he's been sober for a while, or he was. And then he fell off the wagon during Original <laughs> Sin because he had to have a drink with Odin to get Uru Forge weapons to beat the serpent or something. I don't remember. Hmm. It was, a, it, was, it, was, it was a sad moment. Also, like, that was where Hank Pym really got the wife-beater allegations. Because <laughs> Mark Millar turned him into an abusive fucking asshole. Oh, fine. And that just kind of, everybody just is kind of like, yeah, see, Hank Pym's always been like this. Mm. So that's kind of a shame. But no, this new Ultimate lineup is uh, interesting in the form of, you've got Cap, you've got Thor, you've got Iron Man. But it also looks like Lady Sif is part of the team. Okay. And Reed Richards in a almost Doctor Doom outfit. Implications? Well, because what happened was, like, like I said last week, in this new Ultimate Universe, the original Ultimate Universe, Reed Richards, known as the Maker, went back in time and changed a bunch of shit. Well, not went back in time. He found another universe, went back in time in that universe, and changed shit around and set himself up as God, including mm. getting rid of basically all the superheroes he could find. One of them was his own alternate universe counterpart, who he then put to work for him after trapping him in a Doctor Doom mask. Hmm. So, mm. yeah. Okay. I'm still trying to wrap my head around what happened at the end of Ultimate Invasion, but functionally, the Maker Citadel is trapped in a time bubble that moves at an accelerated rate, and they've got two years until it opens back up, and the whole rest of the world's trying to figure out what to do. Meanwhile, Iron Man is trying to... Oh, wait, I'm sorry. He's not Iron Man, he's Iron Lad, because Howard Stark is Iron Man. And it also is very heavily hinting that he's gonna that Tony's gonna become Kang, because Iron Lad is another alias what? used by Kang. What? It's a whole thing. Okay. Remind me to do Young Avengers at some point. Alrighty. Remind me to cover <laughs> Young Avengers at some point. <laughs> Freezing. Begrudgingly, I suppose. Yeah, I don't really have time to get into Iron Lad and Kid Amortis or whatever. Kid Amortis, that's a hell of a name. I think that's part of what he called himself. No, wait, maybe that was a mm. different one. Mm. I, I can never keep track with these fucking Kangs, man. <sighs> can never keep track. Anyways, Ultimate Universe. Uh, I'm tentatively excited. I still don't know where we're going with this. I feel like... Because part of the Ultimate Universe is the Maker, like I said, set himself up as a god, and he's basically got, like, seven bigger nations that rule the world in secret, and one of them pretends to be the bad guy every hundred years, so they can keep the population <laughs> okay. distracted. Okay. Yeah, and I feel like this is losing the... Because the Marvel Universe, partly to its own detriment, in fact, I'd argue very much to its own detriment, is... The Marvel Universe can never be too far removed from our own timeline, because mm -hmm. Marvel has always been associated with, quote-unquote, the world outside your window. And the Ultimate Universe originally was just that, but updated for, well, what happens if that started in the 2000s instead? And the answer is, bad shit. This, mm. this is not that. So this is not starting in the 2020s, then? No, I mean, maybe, but it's also mm. very radically different from our world from Go. 
Okay. And I wonder if maybe that's Hickman making a statement about how it's impossible to recapture the magic of the Ultimate Universe when it initially started, and how trying to keep that phenomenon of restarting the a subset of the Marvel Universe every decade or so to try and ease readers in with continuityless things is doomed to fail, because inevitably those continuities get bogged down in a bunch of events that people need to come up with. So, we'll see, I guess. A.K.A. part of the reason I don't read the fucking comics. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard to that get it, around after a while. That and also trying to save what little is left of my own personal sanity. And wallet. Mm. And wallet. <laughs> well, no. Wallet's gone. Wallet's gone at this point. You find enough Sanity's series, it gets like... into an expensive hobby. <laughs> Fair. Oh, man. We got some James Gunn updates. Oh, boy. About the DC Universe, and, um... Fresh from the gun's mouth. Huh, this... I... Fresh, fresh, fresh from the gun's barrel. Shooting the shit with James Gunn. <laughs> <laughs> bang, bang. <laughs> bang, bang. I shot you down. <laughs> bang, bang. I am not... You hit th- the ground. This is not a segment. This is not going to become a segment. <laughs> I refuse. Look, maybe I'll call I mean, it shooting the shit with James Gunn if we can get James Gunn on the podcast. Oh, that would be pretty <laughs> and good. And he approves of that title. Because if not, I will do pretty much anything this man says. <laughs> not just to get him on the podcast, but because I respect him. Fair. So, on his Threads account, which is, you know, one of the many alternatives to Twitter now that Elon Musk is determined to uh, send it crashing and burning into the ground, mm-hmm. Gunn said... <clears throat> Nothing is canon until Creature Commandos next year, a sort of aperitif to the DCU, and then a deeper dive into the universe with Superman Legacy after that. It's a very human drive to want to understand everything all the time, but I think it's okay to be confused on what's happening in the DCU, since no one has seen anything from the DCU yet. Oh, okay. So... So that means Blue Beetle doesn't count. He just wrapped a... He just wrapped a... What do you call it? One of those plastic bottle six-pack thingamajigs that seagulls choke on. Just wrap one of those around Aquaman's <laughs> neck. Oh. <laughs> Good night, Gracie. Well, that means he also did to to um to Blue Beetle then, too. Yeah, but Blue Beetle's already tanked. Mm. <laughs> I just checked its box office, like, a couple days ago, and it was 126 million. What was its budget again? 100 million. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, and that 126 was worldwide, I think. Oh, boy. Disgusting. He basically just eliminated people's reasons to see Aquaman, then. Unless you like Aquaman, which, I mean, the movie made a billion dollars, so I assume some people did. I liked it the first time. I don't know what happened, but I liked it the first time. He did say some actors will be playing characters they played, but nothing is canon until CC and Legacy. Some plot points might be consistent with plot points from the dozens of films, shows, and animated projects that have come from DC in the past. Okay. When asked whether audiences will have to watch anything prior to some of these returning characters' appearances in the DCU reboot, Gunn said they will not know. Good. <laughs> Good. But, Don't make your audience do homework. No, but see, that confuses me more. Because, okay, he named a few specific people who are coming back. He said, mm-hmm. Zola Maradueña will continue playing Blue Beetle, which, good. He was great. Good. He was awesome. As Viola Davis will Amanda Waller, and John Cena will Peacemaker. Which, okay. I mean, so those are ones where I'd say I can kind of get behind those just because 
for better or for worse, all of those people are tied to their characters. I think the only person, other one that would fit under that under that would be Margot Robbie as um, Harley Quinn. I don't even know about that. I feel like you could get other people to play Harley Quinn. Mm. Don't get me wrong, Margot Robbie's amazing. Oh yeah. I just, yeah. I feel like maybe as a culture, we're getting a little too hung up on so-and-so did a great job as this character, ergo they're the only ones who can do this character contemporarily until the end of time. Fair. Like, Robert Downey Jr., fantastic Iron Man. I don't think he's the only Iron Man. I think he's the only one who could do that specific iteration of Iron Man, maybe, but yeah, he's not the only one who could do an Iron Man and do a really good job. Well, I mean, it's a thing of, like, because there's been, as far as I understand it within the comics, there's been other Iron Men, but not all of them are Tony Stark. I mean, Rhodey was Iron Man once. Oh, true. Doom was Iron Man once. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, it was when he was, it, it was another stint of Doom trying to be a good guy thing. And I imagine it didn't last very long or get great it, results. <laughs> it lasted a decent length. It was a pretty, but it did, was a pretty good run. But did it get good results? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, eventually he went on such a petty tirade that he eliminated an entire alternate universe that was a complete utopia where he was lauded as one of the most influential men just because he was unable to let go of his grudge against Reed Richards. So I'm going to go with no. Yeah, his alternate counterpart was like, this whole thing is stupid. Just let go of your grudge, get rid of the stupid costume, and then Doom killed him, and then destroyed the entire universe. <laughs> Uh, it, I feel like in doing that, Doom also proved, like, Ultimate Doom's points as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. He just wasn't around to, like, make, to, like, drive it home. <laughs> Back to DC, though. Okay. <laughs> I don't have a problem with some characters continuing on. I do wonder how Peacemaker's supposed to work when we're getting a season two, but apparently you won't have to have seen season one but season one very heavily informs his character development. Hmm. Also, interestingly, he confirmed that Freddy Stroma will return as Vigilante, also from Peacemaker, so... Okay. I don't know. Didn't mention Gal Gadot, though. If she does, I wouldn't be surprised, but I would be disappointed. If... And I do broadly like Gal Gadot. Yeah. And don't get... I, I'm... I'm less against the idea of her coming back if explicitly Wonder Woman 84 is no longer canon. Yeah, 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 100%. <laughs> because I'd like yeah. the sexual assault <laughs> removed from Wonder Woman's rap sheet, please? Yeah, it's like, can we just, like, take away the, what is, like, yeah, actually rape from Wonder Woman? <laughs> That's not cool. <laughs> That's we... really bad, actually. Can... Who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> can we get rid of the point where she's willing to hold this other guy's entire life hostage because she misses a guy she knew for, like, a few months 60 years ago? Yeah. <laughs> please? Please. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, man, that did not play the way they were hoping it would. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> Nor did not. But on the flip side, even divorced from Wonder Woman 84 and the huge train wreck that was, after the slew of Wonder Woman cameos, I kind of never want to <laughs> see Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman again. You know what? In all honesty, as, as weird as this is as a place to draw a line in the sand, I don't necessarily mind more Gal Gadot, but I am at this point with you on hating her theme song. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I never want to hear it again in my life. And it, and it makes me sad because I'm pretty sure Junkie XL made her 
her theme song, and I do like Junkie XL a lot. Yeah, in a uh, vacuum, that but... is not the worst theme ever, but it needs some variety. You need to mix <laughs> yeah, it up. For... You need to mix up the composition, the tempo, the instruments used, something, depending on what movie you're in and what the situation is. You, It is not some timeless catch-all theme like Batman's theme or Superman's theme that you can just insert wherever. And even then, yeah. occasionally they will play those themes up, somehow. Mm. They'll play right. around with it a little bit. So, yeah, Creature Commandos, looking forward to it, now more than ever. Hopefully <laughs> we'll get some clarity. Let's, fingers crossed. Now let's go into some Marvel news. Oh boy, wait, wasn't that part of, oh no, that's DC. No, that was <laughs> DC, we just got sidetracked by me going on about Doctor Doom. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, what's Marvel got cooking? Well... And this one's not really confirmed, but Lindsay Anderson Beer, at one point writing the screenplay for Silver and Black, the Silver Sable Black Cat project Sony Pictures is working on. Oh, there, I was going to say, is, is Marvel making Pokemon comics now? No. <laughs> that would be something, though. But never. It would be something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she believes Sony has completely shelved its plans for a Silver Sable project. Hmm. She said, it was something that Sony was looking at, and then, as far as I know, it was not currently developing. I had to hop off that to another project at the time. I was only on it as people hire writers as it's called a weekly. I was helping them out. But yeah, I'm not sure. Hmm. If they're clearing all these fucking villain spinoffs, and they can't get a Silver Sable project off the ground... <laughs> what the fuck are you doing?! Same with Black Cat! How do you have all this shit in the works and you can't make Black Cat work? There's probably, like, at least executives at Sony that are going, it's like, you know what, man? We're wondering the same thing. <laughs> like, what do you... We were trying to get, like, this universe of anti-heroes going or something. Black Cat and Silver Sable are both anti-heroes! They're actual anti-heroes! They're not like fucking Craven, where he's a villain who you're trying to say he's a <laughs> conservationist! Yeah... Yeah, no. <laughs> what the fuck? Hmm. Oh my god. I hate Sony at this point. That's not true. <laughs> I don't hate all of Sony, but I hate their live-action Spider-Man division so much. Mm-hmm. Everything they touch that isn't that doesn't have Marvel Studios helping them on it has Dies. become just a, a joke. <laughs> everything I touch becomes a joke. Everyone backs away immediately. You see, like, the logos for, I don't know, what are some, Gran Turismo. <laughs> <laughs> Gran Turismo, God of War, a PlayStation logo, just all backing away, and it's like, we can't back away, though. They own us. Fuck. <laughs> and I don't want anyone to try and tell me, oh, but what about Venom? Because you know what? The Venom movies suck, too. Mm. They're both <laughs> bad. The first one was just enjoyable. Right. But it's not good. Hell, part of the reason why it's it's enjoyable in the first place is just because Tom Hardy manages to do a really good symbiote voice and then a really awful American accent, and listening to these two things interact with each other is just... Mwah. It's it's pretty great. Not for the correct reasons, no. but it's pretty great. <laughs> no, it is not. It's like, oh, you like hearing it because it's like a, it's a good job, right? It's like, no, it's not a good job, but that's what makes it great to listen to. Yeah. <laughs> And then the last little bit of Marvel news. We now have the runtime for the Marvels, and it's broken a record in the MCU. Uh, I don't like where this is going, but continue. Oh, don't worry. It's not for the longest movie. It's actually for the shortest. Really? How short is it? An hour 45. 
that I that somehow doesn't feel like enough time. I mean, to be fair, all three of the leads are already established characters. Hmm, true, true. So you don't need to take time setting up where Monica or Kamala or Carol comes from, because mm-hmm. you you might do a quick recap of like, oh yeah, I went through a magic hex when Wanda was in her whole villain phase thing. <laughs> Which she's always been. Right. And uh Kamala would just be, you know, yeah, I put on a bangle and I think I'm a I think I think I'm an X Man. That that seems about accurate. <laughs> so yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that means there's not a lot of excessive stuff that they don't need. Yeah, as I'll say, if nothing else, a runtime like that means that ideally the editing department or whoever is just like, okay, we've definitely narrowed down the things that are unnecessary in this movie. Or who knows, maybe they've maybe they've cut it down to the point of being incomprehensible. <laughs> that would be something. I want to <laughs> have would faith. Honestly be, <laughs> that would be pretty fun. Not in a good way, but it would be pretty fun yeah. if they just like completely botched it in post. <laughs> I want to have faith because Marvel doesn't miss often. Mm-hmm. But they've been having a lot more misses lately. Right. And especially after the not-quite-one-two punch since Guardians 3 came out in between them, but after Quantumania and then Secret Invasion... Huh. Mm. It's... I liked Captain Marvel, but this is not a safe bet movie anymore. No, it is not, unfortunately. Oh, well. We'll see what happens. Let's go to the strike. I need to mix the jingle up for the time being. Alrighty. You'll see you'll you'll see what I do. You'll see what I do when you listen to it. <laughs> do 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 pay your fucking actors. Because the WGA strike, at least, is over. Indeed. Yeah. Hooray. It sounds like they got a lot of stuff that they were looking for. Good. Not necessarily every not necessarily exactly what they were looking for and everything, but we do have some details released. Mm-hmm. The union has secured protections against AI penning or rewriting original material under the MBA or being used as source material to adapt. Writers can still use AI as a tool if the company they're working for allows it, but they cannot be required to use it, and companies must disclose if they're giving writers any AI-generated material during the writing process. Good. Yeah. Yeah, that's all... That is all things to help push along the, the, the artistry. Exactly. And also the WGA reserves the right to assert that exploitation of writers' material to train AI is prohibited by MBA or other law. So functionally, right. WGA still has the right to go, you can't feed this in a chat GPT. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Christ. It also sounds like they got a big win on streaming residuals and transparency. Mm. So uh, okay. they established a new residual that would, re- that would reward projects that are viewed by 20% or more of the service's domestic subscribers in the first 90 days of release or in the first 90 days in any subsequent exhibition year. Made for streaming video on demand films and series incur a bonus of 50% of its fixed domestic and foreign residual once it hit that benchmark, resulting in bonuses mm. like $9,031 for a half hour episode on major streaming services and 40500 for a streaming feature with an over $30 million budget. Okay, so basically, like, the writers get, if if all goes well on a, on a release, they basically just instantly get another 40 grand in their pocket, then. If it's a big series. Hmm. Still, though. So, presumably, it's, it's checked and balanced depending on how much they spent on the series and what have you, and probably exact numbers. Streaming transparency, big win for the union, not so big win for the consumer, not that that's what they were after. 
because right. the union's going to have confidential access to the total number of hours streamed both domestically and internationally of self-produced high-budget streaming programs and may share information with the membership in aggregated form. So it's a case of the public's not going to hear any of this, mm. but the WGA can share stuff with the membership. I mean, I'm grateful for that because I know one of the sticking points before was... um. You know, the thing like, hey, so how much money is this actually making? And why are we not getting an adequate share or, or knowledge of it? Yeah. So to that end, I am grateful for them. But man, I, I'd be lying if I said I really was. I wasn't hoping that this that that information would kind of get blown out. Yeah. Like considering how much of this fight has been about streaming, I'm just like, OK, what are these numbers? I need to know what these numbers look like. No, because because the studios still don't want you to see how bad they're flailing at the streaming service stuff. <laughs> Again, I, I know we kind of joked about it like a few episodes ago, but it's like it really would be amazing if Sony of all people are the people to <laughs> make it out simply because they don't have an in-house streaming <laughs> <Right>? service. <laughs> <laughs> Mine because they didn't pile on the sinking ship for once yes. in their fucking for, lives. <laughs> for once, Sony made out good because they didn't jump on the bandwagon. They're busy on their own sinking ship of Spider-Man adaptations. It's like, well, we don't have to worry about that at the least. The SS Morbid Time. <laughs> the SS Morbid Time. <laughs> it's like coming to a port near you for a memed out re-release <laughs> <laughs> into the Spiderberg. oh god almighty <laughs> anyways tentative agreement in terms of minimum writer room size includes a minimum staff size of three writer producers for a first season show for development rooms running 20 weeks or longer there's a formula for additional seasons tied to the number of episodes uh, minimum room size mm -hmm. was one of the bigger issues because it was basically the writers going, okay, we need more people to be working on this show, and the studio going, no, you're fine, you're fine. Mm. They also have now been guaranteed at least 10 consecutive weeks of employment for writers in development rooms, and 20 weeks or the duration of the writer's room for post-greenlight rooms. So if the studios go ahead and greenlight a show, those writers for that green light room are guaranteed 20 weeks or however long the room is going. But they get 10 weeks regardless from the moment the project says go. In development, yeah. Okay. They're getting a Alrighty. cumulative 12.5% increase in residuals over the three-year MBA. Not quite the 16 they were looking for, but hey, 12.5 is better than... Than nothing. Better than nothing, and hey, it's better than 10. Which I don't know if that's yeah. what they offered, but... Mm. And then they also got a guaranteed second step or point of payment in their deals whenever a writer is hired for a first draft screenplay for 200% of minimum or less, including original and non-original screenplays. Okay. So, all in all, all right. it's not, like I said, not everything, but... But it's still a lot. It's a lot, and it's really showing how effective just sitting up and going, no, I'm not going to take this shit from you anymore is going to work. I'm glad that this has worked out for the Writers Guild and all that. But I think the thing that kind of kills me about it, because we've talked about it like countless times on here, as I understand it, this all happened, like this deal, from like sitting down to the deal being finalized and agreed upon, that all took, what, like a, a handful of hours? I think it took a few days. Oh, okay. Even still, though, it's the thing of like, few days, 
could have gotten this done, but no, y'all had to, like, just be stubborn for, like, what was it, four months? Four or five months, yeah, because they were, eh, four and a half, I think. Because, you know, the studios were busy being the good guys, saying we're gonna wait till our writers are homeless. (laughs) (laughs) And being completely unreasonable with their demands for a livable wage and working conditions that don't make you want to shoot yourself. It's gonna. It's amazing that that dumbass executive who said that is pretty much the hero of the WGA, <laughs> because he's just he's just single handedly. I feel like he turned the court of public opinion to the WGA. Is like, thanks, motherfucker. I think to be fair, the court of opinion was already more with the WGA than it was in say 2008, because well, we have a much better insight in how the sausage is made, and also we're in a later stage of capitalism. So, but I'm not an economist. Yeah. So what do I know? <laughs> It's like, and <laughs> I don't know, it's kind of like the whole thing of how freaking, like, between, like, Avengers, Infinity War, and Endgames, um, it's the equivalent of Doctor Strange, you're like, this is the only way. <laughs> Who saves the entire um, MCU? A fucking rat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. This is, this is an executive, it isn't, it isn't a goddamn rat, I'll tell you <laughs> Uh, I'm kidding. They're people too, just with all their empathy carved out and replaced with money. Yeah, for real. Oh man! <laughs> but it's not over yet. SAG after is still on strike at this time. Has the WGA said if they're gonna if they're gonna keep on with their promise to continue striking with SAG after? It sounds like no, their strike's over. It wasn't uh, ever really a promise. A- it was more of an implication. That's unfortunate. Yeah. However, SAG after and studio CEOs have started talks today. Good. Hopefully they, they get their, their cheese as well. Yeah, we have been cautioned. There's some serious wait and see here. No one's going in overly confident or assuming it's going to be easier because the writers have made their deal. Mm-hmm. According to a quote that a guild member told Deadline. So this actor strike might still be going for a while. And obviously that means production can't keep going because, well... You don't have actors. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what we do have. Sock puppets! Yeah. <laughs> Literally, someone's going to be, like, even the writers at that point will be like, so when are you guys going to make a deal with the writer- actors? It's like, oh, when when they give up, it's like, how many times do we have to keep on teaching you this lesson, old man? Or you have Kirby Kerb- being like, how many times do we have to keep on teaching you this lesson, old man? I don't know, are the Muppets part of the sag after? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, cool. I just imagine, I just imagine Disney being like, since we can't, since we can't make any more Marvel movies right now, we've decided to remake the entire MCU exclusively with sock puppets. You know what's unfortunate? <laughs> that I can see them doing that too. I fucking watch it. I can see them doing that over like just <laughs> biting the fucking bullet and taking the L. I'm just imagining like Iron Man flying around with a red and gold sock puppet. You can see the fucking arm. <laughs> <laughs> Just have, like, a couple F-22 raptors on sticks flying that to them. <laughs> <laughs> There's no Team America World Police, but instead of marionettes, it's just sock puppets. Uh, oh, oh, God. Man. I'm gonna be obsessed with this idea <laughs> for two days. <laughs> <laughs> huh. and, and, and the hits keep on coming for various industries. Because sag After has also been negotiating with numerous video game employers, including Activision, Voices Inc., EA, Insomniac, Epic Games, Take-Two, WB Games, and they're still talking, but as of yet, no deal has been reached, and the union has a strike authorization mm. vote. 
Which means that if this deal doesn't go through, not only are they on strike against Hollywood, they're also on strike against video games. I am completely okay with that. Yeah, like, of all industries to fuck, fuck the gaming industry. <laughs> yeah, for real. I, I'm even more okay with that than them fucking over Hollywood. I'm about equal. Yeah. <laughs> but let me tell you, if it's a question between fucking over EA and fucking over Warner Brothers, oh man, oh, that's, that's a, a hard... tough pickle. Yeah, that, that <laughs> is a tough one, it has to be said. <laughs> what a dilemma. Well, I guess, I mean, for me, if you replaced EA with Activision, it'll be even tougher at that point. <laughs> it's that, yeah, I guess you're right. It's that, it's that meme of that guy in red, like, wiping his forehead trying to pick between two different buttons. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that. Yeah, only it's. I feel like instead of him being like worried, he would be with a, a grinch <clears throat> smile, be like, "Ooh, who do I get to fuck over?" <laughs> Why not both? Hits both. Yeah, for real. It's just like peace signs both buttons. <laughs> and then I got one more technically strike-related bit of news. It's. It sounds like good news until you realize the timeline we're working with, and then it just gets even sadder. Oh boy. Which is that now that the writer strike is over. Marvel is going to start setting writer meetings later this fall for pitches on an X-Men movie. Ooh, I don't like that. <laughs> so it's like, on the one hand, hooray, finally some forward momentum on X-Men. Then you realize, yeah. oh fuck, they're just now hiring writers. <laughs> yeah. This movie's just... not going to be out for five fucking years. Yeah. And, ugh. Yeah, that's not a good sign. I swear to God, do not hire anybody whose first pitch involves Wolverine in any capacity. <laughs> if I've never got to hear snicked again in my life. Mm. No, that's not... I mean, I hate Wolverine, but, like, I'm willing to see the character again. Just, like, do at least... Give me at least one. One movie. Yeah. No Wolverine. Yeah, you, we know you can do it. Not even a cute little cameo. Even first class... Probably the best X-Men movie there is. Couldn't fucking avoid a Hugh Jackman cameo. Be better than the Batman. Be better than the Batman. <laughs> yeah. All you have to do is just not have Wolverine in it. And you don't even... Presumably he, Hugh Jackman's not going to be the Wolverine in the MCU. So yeah. it's even easier. It's even easier. You don't have people rioting about no Hugh Jackman because they're not expecting Hugh Jackman. I mean, they might be now that you've had him coming back for Deadpool 3, but... We'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Deadpool right. 3 is still a long ways out, and it's getting longer the more the writers are on strike. Right. This is going very long. Let's go to box office. All right, let's do... No, wait, we... I meant trailer time. <laughs> yeah, let's do trailer time. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's trailer time again. We've got movie previews to watch. It's trailer time again. We got an official trailer for Wish. Yes. After only getting a teaser before. Yeah, it's, um... <laughs> Bold of Disney to make the all-powerful figure of authority who selectively decides whose wishes get granted based on what's best for the collective be the bad guy. Yeah, oh, who would have thought? <laughs> I'm sure there's no applicability here whatsoever that could be traced to total hypocrisy on Disney's part. <laughs> Much like Dumbo being a critique of over-commercialization of a fad. Huh. Mm. No, nothing here from Disney. I feel like my favorite thing about this trailer is that 
at certain points it feels like a little bit phoned in especially like during the bit where like the prince or whoever is going is like i believe i have just been threatened (laughs) and it's just complete it felt so deadpan the way he said it's like i believe i've just been threatened threatened by who (laughs) it's just oh my would you look at that i've been impaled yeah (laughs) it looks funny I do think yeah. it's, it looks kind of funny. I'm not, I don't know, it, just the animated movies don't hit with me the same way they used to, so I'm not as excited as as I probably would have been several <laughs> years ago, but it at least looks like fun. I don't think it's that they don't hit with me, because I mean, Encanto was still great. I think oh, it's Encanto's more just lovely. like, I'm starting to get to a point where the trailers for Disney movies don't really move me anymore, and it's just like, yeah, okay, I'm probably going to go see it anyway, so just hit me with it. Yeah, just give me a release date. <laughs> I mean, Alan Tudyk is literally the goat in this, so... Yeah, true. He is literally the goat. <laughs> yeah, and also the reminder of... I don't know, it's the thing of, like, don't want to give the movie leeway because it's a kid's movie, when obviously has the kid's hand, and I was like, oh, you found it! My butt found it. It's just like, uh... Joke for the five-year-olds! Yeah. We got a like, joke but... for the five-year-olds coming through. Yeah, it's like, but children's movie, so it's okay. <laughs> and of course, you know, I'm excited for Chris Pine being the bad guy. Oh yeah, 100%. Because Chris Pine is great. <laughs> we also got a trailer, and we actually saw this in front of the creator, for Matthew Vaughn's Argyle. This is weird. <laughs> this is so fucking weird. Yeah, but it looks great. It looks great. The cast is amazing because you got Bryce Dallas Howard, John Cena, Sam Rockwell, Henry Cable, Dua Lipa, fucking mm. Samuel L. Jackson's in it, Brian Cranston's in it. The only thing that kind of kills me about this, as far as like what's shown and what's talked about, is the thought process of the antagonist. When um, I forget who plays the um the main character, Bryce but... Dallas Howard. Bryce Dallas Howard. Thank you. When she asks like. Why does everyone care about me? It's like, oh, because you predicted the future. The thing you wrote about actually happened. And now people are, now this international intelligence community is going crazy about you. It's like, no, absolutely not. I'm thinking this might be something where it's like, there's going to be more context given in the movie and the trailer's not trying to give it all away. But it is still a thing of like, if that's the case, and this this is the most brain-dead intelligence community I've ever seen in my life. Oh, there's there's <laughs> some kind of big twist going on, I'll guarantee it. There absolutely has to be. <laughs> the advertisements are based, the trailer is basically staring at you, going, this is a meta plot, winking as loud as it possibly can. <laughs> Which, considering eyelids don't really make much of a noise, is impressive. Yeah, this is a meta plot, with cats. <laughs> with cat, that cat with- is so fake. That cat is fake as fuck. I was gonna say, with fake-ass CGI cats. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I love this cast. I like the mm. idea. And Matthew Vaughn is really fucking good at action spectacle. Case in yes. point, he made the two Kingsman movies. Yeah. Did he make the yeah. Kingsman? Because I've already forgotten the Kingsman, except for the <laughs> except for the fucking Hitler post credits scene. Oh, God, oh my... Well... <sighs> <laughs> Don't remind me of that. Oh, I got so Oh, he did direct that. That's unfortunate. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's unfortunate because I predicted it too, but I still got mad at it. (laughs) What's the new thing we're building up to? Hitler. (laughs) Yeah. It's like we we, you're meeting your counterpart. I think what did they say in the movie? It's like we're meeting you're meeting your counterpart on the right or whatever. This is the right, yeah. 
You yeah, control like the left. Fu- this is the right. It's like it's fucking Hitler, isn't it? And it's like, oh, <laughs> uh, oh man, god damn it, fucking hell. Mm. No, I'm looking forward to this. I have no idea what's going to happen. Oh yeah. Okay, I, I have either. one idea. Mm-hmm. I have one idea, and it's that the entire thing is a book, even the parts. The, the parts that seem like it's the actual author is just part of the author's book. I feel like that's It's Always a Dream with more steps. Oh, it 100% is. It's entirely too cumbersome and annoying. And if we spend yeah. the whole movie, and then the end is just her sitting at, like, her publisher's desk pitching this idea, I'm going to, I'm going to bring a table in case I need to flip it. <laughs> <laughs> it you're gonna have a, a Welcome to Fantasy Island tattoo, but instead of just punching the armrest, you're gonna punch a hole straight through the armrest. I'm gonna have a full, pro- I'm gonna have a full three-course steak dinner <laughs> at the table <laughs> with fancy cutlery and some, <laughs> what the fuck's it called, Dom Perignon or something? <laughs> right. <laughs> and just wait, and if that's what happens at the end, the entire thing is getting upended, except the steak, because <laughs> I've already eaten it, because I will yeah. not waste steak. Yeah, no one should waste good steak. But no, this this looks like it's going to be an interesting time at the least. Yeah. And then finally on the list, I added a trailer for one of the most me movies that I've seen a yeah, trailer for say, in a while. T- 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 tell us what you've brought to the class. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the not quite a remake according to Peter Dinklage, Toxic Avenger. <laughs> What is this? Like, what is this actually? Well, um, okay, so the the original Toxic Avenger was made by Troma Entertainment. They're mostly known for low-budget independent films, usually horror or horror comedy. Basically, they make a bunch of they make a bunch of B movies, usually parodies or okay. satirical stuff. They've been around for a long time, since 1974. Oh boy. Which, I, it probably isn't that long by studio standards, but for, like, B-movie studio exploitation standards... That's pretty significant. That's, that's pretty impressive. Also notable, a lot of stars have been in their stuff before they were discovered, and actually, James Gunn got his start as a screenwriter at Troma. Really? Yeah. Okay. No, I think he was a screenwriter on Tromeo and Juliet. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> I, and by I bad, I, I mean it's 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 a thing. I think I remember you telling me that it's really bad. Marissa Tomei was in the original Toxic Avenger, uncredited. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. No, crazy thing. So it's basically like, the original Toxic Avenger was Meek put upon janitorial staff, I think? I haven't seen it in ages. <sighs> uh, ends up getting bullied by some fucking wannabe chads, falls into a vat of toxic waste, and starts becoming a crusader for the, uh... Outcasts and the underprivileged, essentially. Okay. And also, he's horrifically mutated. And very violent, evidently. Very violent. Very mm-hmm. violent. And this time we're getting Peter Dinklage. <laughs> As a Toxic Avenger, I should say. Right. Which is amazing. That's pretty neat. Just the bit when he swipes that guy's jaw off. Yeah, I... You know, it's funny, it's like a thing of like, when they were like, oh yeah, by the way, this is a Red Band trailer, it's like, okay, like, there's a lot of cursing and shit, but it's like, this isn't too, uh, face gets hurt, I was like, there it is! <laughs> also, Elijah Wood's in this. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this looks, I, I love it, it looks very throwbackish for most of it, until it gets to the point when he busts into the diner or wherever it is, and just starts... Yeah. 
just starts murking the guys left and right. Yeah, just starts going ham. <laughs> Apparently this has already had its debut at Fantastic Fest as of September 21st, 2023, and I'm not seeing any mentions of actual wide releases, but God, I hope it gets one. <laughs> Same. I want this, and you know what I might do while I'm editing? I might, I might put on the original Toxic Avenger. Okay. Yeah, I might need to do that while I'm working on that and a short, and the short from last week that I never posted. Because I never finished editing it. Uh, so much to do, so little time, as they say in right. Kingdom Hearts. While backhanding okay. you with a keyblade. Okay. <laughs> Shall we go to box office? Let's do the box office. Alright, we did not, in fact, see the highest grossing movie domestically this weekend. Because the highest grossing domestic movie this weekend was Paw Patrol, the Mighty Movie. <laughs> I mean, I can't judge. I didn't see it. Eh, yeah, fair. And I mean, it's not surprising that it's number one, considering, you know, it's a family-friendly kids movie. Mm, fair, yeah. But it made uh, $22.7 million domestically this weekend and in total for a $47.1 million worldwide total against a $30 million budget, so it's already doing pretty good. Okay. And apparently a third movie's already been greenlit. What? <laughs> Uh, I mean, fair. I guess if it's doing this well so far, so fair enough. Yeah, that's the spirit. Mm. Second place, Saw 10. Or Saw X? God, it's fucking Fast and the Furious all over again. It's still a stupid title. So, Saw X 10 took in $18.3 million domestically this weekend and in total for a $29.6 million worldwide total against a mere $13 million budget, so that's doing fine. Yeah, that's doing good already. Which means Saw 11. Ugh. Right? Yeah, I know. Third place, the movie we saw, The Creator. Okay. $14 million domestically this weekend and in total for a $32.4 million worldwide total. It's Are actually, you? as sci-fi blockbusters go, very economically made at $80 million. Really? Yeah, it looks uh very good for a movie on that budget. Yeah, I figured it was at least 150 or so. However, considering that $80 million budget, its worldwide opening is not the greatest. No. <laughs> In fourth place, the movie that continues to fucking haunt me, The Nun 2. <laughs> and not in the fun way. Oh yeah, it's a ride in time for spooky season. It's probably going to have a small resurgence because of that. God fucking damn it! <laughs> $4.7 million domestically this weekend for a $76.8 million domestic total and $232.6 million worldwide. It's already made its money because its budget was, I want to say like 30 mil. It was, it was it, I think it was sub 50 for sure. Yeah, it's, 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 it's making in some dough right but now. But I didn't feel like looking it up again because I don't care. Mm. And then in fifth place, not Barbie. Really? Really. But when you hear <laughs> what it is, you might wish it was. Okay. It's called The Blind. <laughs> and apparently, it is a uh, movie about the past of Phil Robertson of Duck Dynasty fame. What? Yeah, I didn't know it was out either. What? What the fuck is... Yeah, bring Barbie back, please. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, so mm. it made four points... I mean, maybe it's a great movie, I don't fucking know. Eh, fair. I doubt it, but hey. Uh, $4.3 million domestically this weekend... In total, it's sitting at $5.1 million domestic. No worldwide release info, no budget info, though, as far as I can find. So, okay, who knows? Alrighty. 
So we did see the creator, and I feel like it should have done a little bit better than it did. Mm. But then I can't yeah. really judge it against Paw Patrol or Saw 10 because I didn't see either of those, so... Right. Those are probably much better crowd-pleaser movies, so that tracks. Fair. Especially because the creator is alright, but it's mm. not as good as it thinks it is. Yeah. No, I, you know what? I think that's a good summary of it. Like, honestly, because I've been, I've been racking my brain on how to describe the movie since we saw it, and it is a thing of, like, the movie's not bad, but it definitely thinks it's better than it is, 100%. So, it's a very, it's a very flawed movie, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting visually, though, and I, I feel a little bad, oh, yeah. but I'm gonna preface with, my memory of some parts is a little fuzzy, and this is, th th I'm gonna clarify immediately, this is not a knock against a movie, I was falling asleep at a couple of parts, because I was very tired. Yeah. I will say, um, if nothing else, this is probably one of, this is definitely one of the more visually st stunning movies I've seen this year. Like, the overall, yes. Uh, I, got, I gotta check the list, I've seen too many fucking movies to make that claim. Yeah, again. that's, well, that's the thing, too, with the <laughs> asterisk of things I actually remember. <laughs> I mean, the overall aesthetic and the, and the world design and all that is pretty top-notch, I would say. Oh, yeah. That is definitely the highlight of the movie, overall. And not to knock it too much against other things, but that is definitely, like, the movie's strong point is, like, it's it's overall world design and character design and all that. Asteroid City exists, though. Hmm. Asteroid City has a has a wonderful visual style, but for different reasons, if that makes True. sense. It's not as... It's weird because both have grandiose visual styles, but Asteroid Cities is a lot more self-contained. And it's a lot more... Film nerd. Stylized. <laughs> it's a lot more stylized. It's definitely a lot more film nerd it's, in its visual well, I style. Guess, I guess it's fair. I guess it's a better thing to say. It's it's theatrically stylized. It's specifically yeah. supposed to look uh, colorful and out there. Whereas, I mean, I, I don't mean to say the creator isn't stylized because that would imply that it is without style, and that is not the case. But it's more sort of grounded, realistic sci-fi. Right. Yeah. 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 Like but, it's. You know, Oh, and then it, Guardians it, 3 exists. Oh, true. Mm. Uh, yeah, you know what? That's right. I, yeah, I, I mean, you it's know still what? up I, there. It's still up there. It's still 100% up there. And John Wick Chapter 4. It's still up there. It's still up there. <laughs> it's been a long year full of it, some really been... good, visually stunning movies. Yeah, like, there's been, like, ladies and gentlemen, we attempt to see a movie once a week. That means we have, at this point, seen, what, like, 40 movies? <laughs> yeah. Like, probably, probably not that Oh, no, like, yeah, 40 movies at I've least, got over so. 40 on this list, and this isn't the full list. Yeah. <laughs> I tried ranking my films in 2023, but I should not have started it halfway through the year, because it's a Ye bitch to do when you don't remember all of them. <laughs> Yeah, no, I need to do that too. I haven't done that at all. I need to go back and Oh, I'm I, I'm I abandoning it. this list. Oh, fair. <laughs> I'm abandoning this list. I'm starting again in 2024 at the start of the year. That'll make it much easier because then it's just a question of okay, I rank this year, where does this go? I mean, I'm not even trying to like rank my movies. I just need to remember what I thought of them. <laughs> of uh, all of fair. them that I saw. Uh, but yeah, no. I feel like this whole thing just kind of feeds into what we were saying about the creator, where it's not bad, but it's not as good as it thinks it is. Where y yeah, even the compliments like we... are like, it's a, it's one of the more visually stunning, it's the most visually stunning movie I've seen, except for this. 
And this. And this. And this. And this, too. <laughs> but it's still up there. It's up there. <laughs> so, the, so the general premise is 40 years in the future, AI has developed to a point where they are literally, like, sentient beings that share the planet with us. And through various events, including but not limited to AI deciding to nuke Chicago. Los Angeles. Nukes Los Angeles. <laughs> If Rich anything, you think that would bring the property values up. <laughs> Rich, if you're listening to this, I apologize. Chicago. And... <laughs> and so now the United States is at a war with AI, which I have my own problems with, which we'll get to in a little bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, to that extent, um, David um, David Washington plays a um, U.S. Um, Army sergeant tasked with finding the ultimate weapon that the AI are using to, are planning on using to win the war for themselves. Only to find out that their ultimate weapon is actually a small robotic child. And then we get entangled in a journey of self-reflection, sadness, protecting what's right versus doing what's right for your country, blah blah blah, etc. That's kind of the general premise of it. So let's see. I feel like Mm -hmm. this is not the movie's fault. Okay. But it's probably not helping that the movie decided to use artificial intelligence as the stand-in for an oppressed minority to get their broader point across. Which, again, not the movie's fault, because at the time the movie would have been being made, who would have seen how badly that argument about AI versus art would have blown up? But... <laughs> yeah. It's it it it's hard not to watch this movie and not feel a little twinge of going. Why are you? Yeah, I know they're they're basically human, but they're still AI, and you're arguing in favor of AI. Yeah, I don't know. One of my problems, like with the movie, is that with the whole thing of oppressed species and all that versus like the grander, more powerful group being the United States, <laughs> which again I'll talk about more in a little bit. It's one of those things where as I'm watching this, it's just like. I know this movie is trying to make a general, broad, but important point about something, but it, I feel like it keeps on getting lost in its own bullshit at the same time. Like, not bullshit as far as, like, what it's trying to talk about, but just, like you said, with the whole, like, being represented by AI, a lot of the setup in it, a lot of the a lot of the movie not wanting to follow its own rules. Those kind of things, I think, like, kind of take away from, like, what's going on. I feel like the general message is still there, but it gets a little lost in the sauce at a certain Well, point. I wonder if maybe some of the not playing by its own rules is supposed to be intentional. Case in point, do you think it's a spoiler to mention that the U.S. government is also using robots? No. Yeah, there's a couple of points where they use what is apparently very clearly AI to do stuff. Mm. So, I think the fact that their side are the ones being massive fucking hypocrites is intentional. Fair. Especially with developments that we find out later about the whole thing. Fair. I think the real thing undermining it is... I don't feel like the relationship between John David Washington and Gemma Chan, which is sort of the driving motivator for John David Washington's character of, uh, what's his name? Joshua, that's it. Yeah. It's not that convincing to me. And it's not that Hmm. I... It's not that I don't believe that he is very obviously, quote, in love with, slash, obsessed with this woman. It's the fact that the relationship 
feels so unhealthy that I really don't want to see it proceed, and I kind of wish this guy would just move on and get a cat. <laughs> Specifically a cat. <laughs> yeah. And that really, really comes back to bite it at the end, where... Mm-hmm. I kind of wasn't following what was going on in terms of the sci-fi stuff and what they were trying to do. And that right. wouldn't have mattered as much if the emotional impact of the ending had landed for me. But mm. it didn't. Because a lot of it hinges around this relationship that I'm not into. Because it seems right. very problematic and one-sided. Right. Although part of that might be because we only... We don't ever really get Gemma Chan's perspective on it. We only ever get John David Washington's, and from his, it's... Mm -hmm. This is early enough in the movie that I don't think it's a spoiler. So, Joshua's undercover for the U.S. Army trying to find Nimarta? Nimartha. Nimarta. That, right. Nirmata. That's the one. Nirmata. Yeah, Nirmata. Nirvana. Nirvana. But, uh, no. Anyways... This is the point where I would insert <laughs> Smells Like Teen Spirit if I had one. <laughs> and didn't have to worry about DMCA. Yeah, I mean, if I played it for like two seconds, it probably wouldn't matter. But, mm. so he's undercover looking for Nirmata, who is apparently um, Gemma Chan's character's dad. And right. uh, he ended up in a, Joshua ended up in a relationship with Maya, Gemma Chan's character. I don't remember if I just said that. I feel like I did. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> and there's a whole bit where, very early on in the movie, where they're arguing because the army is about to do a strike despite Joshua's attempts to call it off because he's insistent Nirmata is not there. He doesn't know he doesn't know where Nirmata is. Maya refuses to leave the rest of the robots behind, going, they're my family. And then Joshua goes, they're not real. This is real. We're real. What we have is real. And it's like, this whole thing feels like it was formed under false pretenses because you're an undercover operative and you have the fucking balls? Yeah, when that happened, I was just like, no. No, it, like, in the scientific sense, yeah, because reasons, but yeah, none of this is real. This was all part of an op. <laughs> I mean... And even still, it's like, why would she believe you at that point? <laughs> yeah, it sounds like she already might have known because she said you swore you were out. Mm -hmm. Or something to that effect. So she might have already right. known, but... I, and I feel like the juxtaposition of perceptions of what's real and what isn't is important. And it's to set up Joshua's development later, but it also means I don't really give a fuck about his character or this fake-ass relationship. Right. It's a hard sell to start off with, and I don't think... I don't think it's in the right place. Mm -hmm. I think that maybe would have been better as, like, an end-of-first-act kind of thing. Especially because they already tease that he has that he's having memory problems about that event. That seems like a that seems like a first act twist kind of thing. Like he gets a little bit of his memory back and realizes that, right? Which just kind of contributes to you know it's it's not as good as it thinks it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had one note from early in the movie because the movie starts with a with a reel and a montage of somebody going on about how great AI is and all the things they do for us and. Yeah. Uh, it was, um, what was it, they they protect our homes, they they help perform our surgeries, and I just put, they write our movies. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think that was that was the only bit in the movie where it's just like the timing of this movie is not the greatest. <laughs> yeah, no, that had me squirming in my seat. Also, I, I will say though, to the movie's to the movie's defense, I've already seen jokes about people going, "Oh, this movie was written by AI." With how it is, it's like, okay, if you want to make the joke that the movie is written by AI because it's pro AI, I get that. But to everybody using the, everybody making that joke in the sense of this is a shit movie, so it must have been made by AI. Man, fuck off. Yeah, as I say, there's been plenty of bad movies written by actual people. <laughs> this, this wouldn't even crack probably the top 100 worst movies I've ever seen in my life. All right. Oh yeah, a hundred percent for me too. I don't even know if it would crack 200. Mm. I have seen too ma- too damn many bad movies. <laughs> Point is. You want to make jokes about it being bad, fine, but, like, fuck. Yeah, It doesn't like have to be because AI made it, it's just because people made it. Yeah, again, there's been plenty of bad movies written by actual people. Yeah, people have been making bad movies for decades. Yeah. <laughs> this is not exclusively AI's domain. <laughs> the soundtrack! Okay, I'm glad I wrote this down, otherwise I would have completely forgotten. Oh, yeah, the soundtrack in this movie is good, but weird. Because it's not very sci-fi. No, it's very interesting because it it it's definitely doesn't have those elements that you come to expect from a sci-fi action movie. Instead, it's much more smooth. It's smooth and, and weirdly licensed. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually like that. It yeah, adds you know certain, what? Yeah, I can agree to that. It adds a certain distinctness to this movie because it doesn't mm. go for that theremin synth Beep bop boop bop. Yeah, thing. Like it's, it's not it's not an armored core soundtrack. Nah, not that there's anything wrong with an armored core soundtrack, but yeah, armored core has great music. But I I don't know. I was kind of at a certain point, I was just like, oh, I remember you saying it's like for a sci-fi music movie, there's not a lot of sci-fi music going on, and it is an interesting, different decision. I think it makes it a little bit more grounded in a sense, in a weird ass sense. Just because it's like, okay, this is more, like, real music that, especially since we see a lot of, like, normal-ass people in this movie, I feel like it makes more sense to have regular music there than, like, score. No, yeah, I follow that. Also, this is a well-acted movie, because you've got John David Washington, you got Gemma Chan, Allison Janney, you got Ken Watanabe, Ken, Ken Watanabe. Ken Wat- Watanabe, yes. God fucking damn it. <laughs> Sturgill Simpson also and I apologize I'm gonna fuck this name up Madeline Una Voiles I think this is her first role as Alfie oh yeah 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 she's good she's really good she's great like a robot that is functionally human but still a robot but is a child but is also a super weapon that is <laughs> that is not an easy line yeah, that is not an easy thing to balance out. That is not the most relatable thing on the planet. But she handles that aptly. Oh, very much so. I feel like I got some characters mixed up here and there. Oh, how so? I don't know, just a couple of the characters who aren't the main ones. I was just like, you are you not the same guy? You're a different guy. Hmm. Okay. Okay, I thought maybe there were clones now. Right. And that's not counting, you know, the, uh, 
That's not counting the simulants, the uh, humanoid robots, who are actually the same looking person. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. God, there's a bit, I can't talk about it, but circling back to the, the relationship isn't that great. God, that thing near the end of the second act? Start of the middle of the third act? Fucking irritating. What, is it the uh, ice cream? Ice cream? Or the the girl who who asked about ice cream? No, that 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 was good. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was wondering how that was gonna pan out. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was a a a very strange and very misplaced attempt at humor. <laughs> is how I took it. Do I get anything else that's not a spoiler? Hmm. The action's pretty good. The action's pretty solid. Yeah. Funny enough, and this is this is the perfect example of how it's not the movie's fault that I was falling asleep. There was at least one scene, and I, it, it was when they were, uh, you know, I can't spoil it. Come to think of it, but or I don't want to spoil it. Rather, but there was a point mm. in the middle of the movie where, during an action scene, I was trying not to fall asleep. <laughs> so I swear it's just because I was tired. Mm. You got anything that's not a spoiler still? Uh, no, I don't think so. Mm. Well, in that case, I think this is worth a watch. Yeah, it's it's worth seeing. It's worth. It's definitely an experience, if nothing else. Okay, it's 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 worth it if you're in a more serious leaning sci-fi action movies, right? And if you're looking for something with a point, but maybe not as deep a point as <laughs> as, as intended. <laughs> if you're looking for the movie equivalent of like, I am an, I am a smart person. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's a little mean. Or, that is a little mean. Never Not mind. I don't know. 100% inaccurate, but. No, I was thinking of the thing of like, um, the meme of like, man, society needs some work, yet you take part of society. I am a very smart person. Oh, that yeah. Was... <laughs> that meme. <laughs> so if you don't want to get spoiled on the creator, make sure to click away in three, two, one. Oh, I don't know if you want to start with a thing or if I, or if I should. Uh, if you've got something to start, go ahead. The USS Nomad pisses me off. <laughs> yeah. Actually, the entirety of the United. So it's funny. I was thinking about it, and I was like, you know, it's been a while since I've seen a movie or anything where I know I've seen things like this, but it's like it's been a while since I've seen a movie that go takes this much time going this hard, showing that the United States is expressly the villain in this. Mm. Most of which centers around their use of the USS Nomad because. They have a literal trillion dollar space machine. Yeah, they have a literal trillion dollar like space warship um, under the control of the navy. It's the main weapon that the um, U.S. is using. You think it'd be the Air war. Force uh, or Space Force? Well, it would be actually no. That's a good point. I don't remember if the Space Force is underneath the Department of the Navy or the Air Force. It's one or the other. Anyway, that's either here nor there. But yeah, so the main weapon that the United States has against the AI is this mobile spaceship called the USS Nomad, whose whole thing is going over, because most of the movie takes place in a region known as New Asia. It's like the region where most of the AI and all that um, have kind of taken refuge alongside humans. I'm kind of surprised and... no Zenyatta reference, but uh, I'm sure Activision Blizzard <laughs> would have sued. Oh yeah, 100%. The USS Nomad just kind of goes around, finds like like insurgent groups and missile strikes them and that pissed me off immensely 
because it's one of those things where it's like it, it pissed me off because of the fact that it's a nothing more is said about it and it's like no no this actual like united states spacecraft is committing multiple acts of war against what i am assuming to be a actual like nation of some kind because we were shown throughout the movie that new asia is not just mostly like marshes and swamplands and all that there's like actual like tokyo s cities full like police forces and government forces and all that so it's like there's no way that they are not committing actual acts of war against yeah you know what <laughs> against... it, it gets it gets even weirder a little bit because like on the one hand they, they try to dance around it a little bit because during the president's speech at the opening he's like we are not at war with any nation we are not at war with new asia we are at war against the ai <laughs> And, and that gets like, proven false very quickly. <laughs> not even just that. It's also think of like you get to think of like when they're going to when they're going to uh, try and find Ramada and they recruit Joshua back again. They go. They cannot know where they cannot know we're here or something because this is illegal. It's like what about the fucking giant spaceship yes. calling down missiles? How are you not in trouble for that? That is literally fucking everywhere, and it's like this is part that of the thing I was talking. That is an actual war crime. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah and it's uh, this is part of the thing that I was talking about. The movie not wanting to follow its role rules is like, by the way, we can't be known that we're here, otherwise it's illegal. It's like everyone can see your spaceship <laughs> over your airspace. It's right fucking there. What are you you're not do? gonna have you're not gonna have someone going on. It's like, oh hey Mike, what do you think that is in the night sky? <laughs> I was like, I don't... Jack on it? <laughs> it's like, oh, I don't know. Chase is like, you know, it's kind of like a chase. Okay, because it's a fucking nuclear spaceship. <laughs> and just put a it's... bunch of fucking Russia stars on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, then we're Expendables 4. It wasn't uh... us. <laughs> Fuck, you're right. Actually, this is kind of terrible now that I think about it. Is... That is, like, the most aggravating thing. And it's also... Now, I can't take credit for this one. Someone actually pointed this out on the movie subreddit. <laughs> this spaceship t changes its position constantly. Because some shots, it's, like, deep in space. Other shots, is it's well within low Earth orbit because we can see it very clearly. And it's, like... And it changes, like, seemingly from, like, sequence to sequence. I'm like, make up your fucking mind. <laughs> because from all accounts, as far as we can tell... Yes, this thing is moving faster than probably the International Space Station, but not so fast that it changes altitude in, like, the manner of a few scenes. <laughs> that is not happening. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I see what you mean, because this is a... It doesn't surprise yeah. me that the United States is as villainous as they are, because I 100% believe, you know, in these situations, they oh. would do this if they thought they could get away with it, but they never get away with it. Oh no, and it's one of those things where it's like, I'm looking at this, it's like, okay, so this is, I feel like this is a commentary about our time in the Middle East on steroids. <laughs> Almost certainly. Yeah, and then it kind of or really comes- Or in Vietnam. Yeah, and the whole thing of like them saying at the at the beginning, oh, we're not at war with the people of New Asia, gets completely fucking annihilated by the end of the movie. Yeah. Because, like, at the very end- I know we're jumping ahead quite a lot, but I guess spoilers about the very end of the movie in the spoiler section. The United States has figured out apparently the main bases of, like, the other AI threats and starts launching missiles, some of which are actually aimed in the smack dab center of major metropolitan cities. So it's like, what was that about? Not being at war with the people of this country? There's gonna be some civilian <laughs> casualties here, friend. There's gonna be, I'm, like, looking at this, it's like, it was it was one of those things. Was like, okay, they're not actually going to do it. I wish they kind of did. 
<laughs> just to kind of drive the point home of like, yeah, they're the bad guys. But it's like, no, no, this is the United States actively getting ready to murder millions of individuals. Because it's established that it's like, no, in this area, in this region, the AI are amongst the humans. So no matter what, even if your goal are just to get the AI, there is going to be countless civilian casualties of like actual people. So it's like, what, what, which, make up your fucking mind. Which one is it? (laughs) I wonder wonder if there's supposed to be an implication that if anybody tries to get in the U.S.'s way, they'll turn Nomad on them. And Nomad is just so fucking advanced that nobody dares stand against it. But if that's the case... They really should have been a little more explicit about that. Yeah, and it's like, okay, fine, that's fair. It's like, yeah, I can understand not having the firepower to fight against it, but there's still got to be sanctions and shit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, there's no way this happens without any consequences whatsoever. It was just something I just could not, like, just get over that. Because it's like, no, this is stupid as fuck. (laughs) Wow, that, okay, this movie's taking a little bit of a dent for me from that now that I think about it. Oh, man. Yeah. And then also to that extent as well, later on in the movie, we have the U.S. invade a fucking hideout. And there, <laughs> this is one of those things where it's a combination of stupid and also I feel like it kind of goes into making sure the audience knows what's going on because we think they're stupid. It's the scene where later on the United States starts invading and fighting against these simulants um, later in the movie. And you just see this, these giant weird-ass tanks that just have U.S. Army and Comic Sans written on the side of them. Where did those um, come from? Yeah, it's like there's no way nobody fucking saw them. Or heard them, for that matter. And they've got fucking <laughs> actual walking AI-guided bombs! Yeah. Which, oh, man, that why was... do those exist? <laughs> Why would you give any degree of anything resembling sentience to something designed to blow itself up? Yeah, especially, like, and it's like, it's a thing of, like, we know we have sentience, they know, we know they have sentience because as they're getting ready to run out, they actually say, they look at, um, Nolan, I think that's her name. Howl. Or Howl, Howl, thank you. And they just, the AI bombs just look at her and go, it was a pleasure serving with you, ma'am. I'm like, I'm fucking sorry, what? I guess to be fair, (laughs) that could just be recorded. Fair, but it's, it's kind of like... hard to tell when it comes to these AI what's actual AI and what's not. Yeah. <laughs> but why would you make it act human? Yeah, that's. Why would you make it even vaguely remotely. similar to a functioning AI considering? Yeah, it's like if you R2D2 it, that's one thing. Making it actually talk and all that and act like a person is kind of weird. And Especially course... since your whole, stance, your whole stance has been anti AI. And, of course, the whole thing's a farce anyway, because apparently the AI didn't actually nuke Los Angeles. It was a human coding error. Which, I hate how that's glossed over. It's like, no, no, it's like, yeah, AI, our human error caused this. We didn't do anything. It's like, no, I, I no, you can't just gloss over that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I need us to, like, spend some time on this. No, you can't just go to the, oh, we we're talking about how if we destroy the Nomad, nothing will change. It's like, okay, cool, we're moving on. It's like, no, no, there needs to be, please tell me there was consequences for that yeah, shit. Yeah, I kind of want to know, like, all right, so, did, did you attempt to tell anybody this? Did, yeah. Was there a cover-up? Because other it can't have gotten it's, very far in the news, otherwise I'd assume Joshua would know. Yeah, and it's also the thing of, like, how do you guys know that happened as well? Like, was there a leak of some kind? 
the unfortunate thing about this for me is that this is actually one of those things where I would actually wholeheartedly welcome nerdy ass world building in this because yeah. these are all these are all genuinely interesting questions that I feel like with what this movie is you could have a really fun time with some of these details. I want more so, how we got here and less where is it going. Yeah, exactly. Like and again, you could have some. You, there's some potential here for some major fun if you delve into these questions and expand on them but the movie doesn't and that's unfortunately kind of disappointing <laughs> yeah also you know what speaking of things the movie doesn't really follow up on um so they've got like some kind of brain scanner that lets you temporarily revive someone from the dead functionally by downloading their brain into a simulant <laughs> and it's it's never really brought up how that works where that no not how it works where that falls on the human versus ai thing because is that considered an ai or is that considered a human we know humans can donate their likenesses to simulants that look like people but are they donating brain scans i would say if nothing else it is deeply unethical 100 (laughs) percent. especially if done without consent like that one guy's yeah it's like or jemma chance because she's been in a coma the whole time and then died Surprise! <laughs> oh God, when that happened, I was just like, just like she's nowhere between, she's somewhere between being alive and being dead, and it's like, is this the whole thing of Padme dying from a broken heart? <laughs> and also, it's a little weird to go, oh yeah, AI are fully human, and then go, but we can't end her suffering, even though we acknowledge that is the morally correct thing to do because we are literally coded to not be able to do that. Kind of puts a damper on the whole they're human with free will angle. Yeah. Yeah, that was... that was Kind of weird. A little weird. Very uncomfortable. And then fucking... And then Howell shows up, and she decides to scan Maya's brain since she's just recently died to get more information out of her. And then fucking... Joshua stops her from doing- well, he doesn't really stop her, actually. She gets an explosive stuck on her back, and Alfie tries to save her, but then her dipshit oh, no, soldiers it, fire at Alfie. It wasn't, um, it wasn't Joshua, it was, uh, what's his name? Haru. It was Watson- yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that was the one. I think what the best thing about that whole bit is how- for, for because at that moment, at, right before the explosive goes off, Alfie actually stops it, and then you see for a split second how Howell is just like, "Wait, you can do that?" And then something happens that distracts her, and she's like, "No, no way!" And it's just like, "Gotcha, bitch." <laughs> yep. But it's then, like, "Oh, look, it's the consequences of my own actions." <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> but then Joshua just has this copy of his wife's memory. And ends up just keeping it. Like, he he explicitly says to Howell, let her rest, she's gone. But then... But then just keeps the fully intact fucking drive with her memory on it. Mm. Real good job letting her rest. Yeah, for real. And it ends up coming into play on the space station because, you know, Alfie and Joshua go to stop Nomad... Uh, something, something, Kip, only Alfie can get into the escape pod in time. The whole place is about to blow up, so Joshua sends her back to Earth. But before all that happens, Alfie found a mannequin, which looked like her mom. Mm-hmm. A simulant mannequin, inactive, and uh, put that memory drive in there to try to boot her up. And I guess it worked, which means that that poor woman was in a coma for five years. Mm-hmm. Died. 
and then, from her perspective, came back to life right after dying, just to die again on an exploding spacecraft with this fucko who lied to her for years. <laughs> and is somehow still in love with her. Yeah, what the or, fuck? Yeah, it's like, she's like, I'm so happy. She's like, why? That's not even bittersweet. That's just fucking bitter. Bitter, yeah. And again, they. Tr- I guess the implication is, yes, she was also still in love with him, and that's also because Alfie was based off of the child they were going to have. But, mm-hmm. wait a minute. How long was she in a coma? Five years, apparently. But then when was she working on Alfie? I think, if I remember right, in like the scenes that are like shown in flashback, she was working on Alfie behind the scenes without Joshua knowing about it. Huh. That timeline's weird. It is very weird. I'm not sure I follow that. <laughs> but no, the, the the death is not the death is not heartwarming even in a sad way. It's just uh oh this is I could have done without this. I could have done without this yeah. whole thing. Yeah, for real. I mean it's not it's not terrible. Mm-hmm. Even even with all the dunking on it we've just done, it's not terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen terrible. Y- yes, we have. this movie is not that. <laughs> this is not this is not Knights of the Zodiac. This is not Knock at the Cabin. This is not a, a cocaine bear. Objectively, it's a bad movie, but it's a great movie. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Why'd I put cocaine bear under no hard feelings? <laughs> what the fuck? Mm. What was I on? Cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> nice. The bear, the Cody did cocaine. <laughs> uh, code cane. You got anything else for the creator? I don't think so. All right. So I guess uh, still go see it. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna make it a less certain. I think it's worth seeing because mm. now I'm wrestling with the fact that this movie's a little dumber than I thought. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's again not the worst. Yes. Like, I, I will say, though, it's like, if you're looking, if you're coming for John David Washington and you want to have a good time with him, you will, but Black Klansman is still his best movie, at least as far as the ones I've seen. Well, it's certainly not Tenet. <laughs> yeah, no. Or Amsterdam. Yeah, God, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so, that wraps up this week. Next week, uh, from what I can see at our local theater... Our options are either The Exorcist Believer, or apparently a Spanish movie called When Evil Lurks. Mm. Which is presumably also horror. Right. I haven't seen any of The Exorcist movies, and I'm not super into I don't know, I might see an international horror movie, we'll see. (laughs) I'll probably shoot for both, man, it's spooky Mm. season. Right. This is is the time of the year where I dedicate as much time as I possibly can to watching this stuff. Right. And it goes through probably until Christmas. <laughs> Fair. In any case, thanks so much for listening. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you want to do. You don't have to do any of it. Mm-hmm. It just is appreciated if you do. Right. Yeah, you and, know, as always. Yeah. And uh, just to drop another, just to drop another reminder, we are, or rather, I, I at least am doing. Uh, it came from under the bridge, under the hood edition, October 29th at Unlimited Video Games. There was a Facebook event. I just leaned back too far in this chair and almost fell over. That's how excited <laughs> I am. Go check it out. Hell yeah, hell yeah, brother. <laughs> I almost just blurted out what the two movies are, but no, 
It's a secret. Good job. You want to find out? You got to show up. <laughs> but this has been Under the Bridge with Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And with Greg, a.k.a. Greg. And we'll catch you guys next week. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.